Welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Hey, welcome back to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. Hey, I'm Drew Jordan, and we're doing this thing. Season three, still rolling along, getting close to the end of season three here. It's been an amazing run. I feel it kind of feels like every episode, every interview that we get to do is, has just been really productive this season. There's been something in each episode that was as personally helped me and has like changed my perspective on something or gave me some insight. And so hopefully you dig in. And if you've missed some episodes, get in there on all podcast platforms and you can find it at breakingdownbits.com. Absolutely. It's been a great season. Great run with this show. I absolutely am growing as a comic, as being a part of it. And hopefully our listeners are finding the same thing. One area we've been able to sharp iron sharpens iron with comics from all over the world. This is our feedback, Mike. We've been doing Tuesday nights. We used to say we try to do it every Tuesday night. Well, God damn it. We have done it every <laughs> Tuesday night, uh, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And just uh, an incredible group of comics. Usually great feedback, really productive, really positive. If you would like to get in on that, please email us or hit us up on social media. Uh, you can email us at breakingdownbits at gmail.com to say you'd like a spot next week. Uh, or, of course, you can get at to at us on social media at Breaking Down Bits. Uh, yeah, actually, that, that mic, honestly, for me, um, just as valuable, if not more valuable than going to an in-person mic. It's uh, just a fun place to try new material, and there's such great writers in there that you're always going to walk away with a tag or a different way to arrange something or a different way to think about something. It's really valuable if you love writing and, and maybe you're in a place where you don't have a ton of open mics in your, in your area. Hop in there, uh, shoot us a DM, let's do it. Absolutely, Drew. Uh, one uh, other quick call out. Of course, uh, Drew and I uh, run a show in Houston. It's called The Riot, riothtx.com. And uh, if you're coming through Houston, want to get to Houston, let us know, hit us up, uh, and, and we'd love to work with you. Send us a tape, all that stuff. You can get to us at uh, theriothtx.com. Uh, let's go back to our last show and do our callbacks with comedian Jerry Garcia. Great episode. Yeah, great episode. I feel like I'm going to steal your... We didn't talk about this previously. I know I'm going to steal your callback, and I'm so sorry, but I'm going to do it first uh, so you can think harder. Uh, I think he was just another reminder to always be networking and be connecting with the people coming through your town. He kind of got his big break was connecting with headliners that were on the road, coming through town, made a friend, and he was able to kind of like sp uh, slingshot his career a little bit. So... Um, I think it's just good for comics to always remember, make good relationships with the other comics around you. Don't be creating drama. Uh, be, be friendly, be a good hang, be funny. And that's going to actually get you places in comedy because it is so, uh, it, networking is part of the game. You think you know me, Drew, but you don't. That wasn't uh, mine at all. Uh, <laughs> Jerry had the episode, I titled it Confidence, and it's something that he talked about, and it's something sometimes we forget about. Just show up like, you, like you've been there. He talked about the fact that he got fans early on in his career, within the first year, like a lot of fans, because he would do a seven-minute set, and he would pretend, he would make it feel like he had more material. And they'd be like, you remember, he would be like, they'd be like, hey, we're going to come see you again. He's like, please don't wait a year. That's all, that's all I got. Um, but, but just arriving on stage with that confidence all the time uh, can, can, it helps with your material, helps with your delivery, and it helps you uh, relate and connect more with crowds. Yeah, that was a great episode. Grab that one. It's up on Spotify, Apple, all the places where you listen to podcasts. Find it at breakingdownbits.com. Ready to bring in our guest? Let's do it. Jordan Fisher is a New York-based comedian raised in North Carolina, where he started comedy at the age of 17 to keep from working at his family's funeral home business. Jordan was highlighted as one of the 2018 new faces at Just for Laughs Montreal, was a finalist in 2017's Stand Up NBC, and has participated in Atlanta's Laughing Skull Festival. He's written for Viceland, 50 Central on BET and The Tonight Show, and also performed on The Tonight Show and Comedy Central. His album, Good For You, is available now on iTunes, Spotify, and Tidal. 
Jordan Fisher, how are you, man? Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks for yeah. coming. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is great. Absolutely. Thanks for coming and hanging out and spending some time with us. Uh, we like to start the interview just talking about a little bit about yourself. Uh, interesting note in your bio there. Uh, you started one at 17 years old, which yeah. I just I keep I just punch myself in the face every time I think about. I started comedy so late. I just like, <laughs> oh god, if I if only I would have done this earlier, I'd be so much more ahead. But also, um, I also worked in the funeral home business, and really, I did. That was one of my college gigs. But your family does it, and that and this was your way out of the gig. So how did that, how did that all come together? Yeah. Like that. I mean, I knew from the jump that wasn't going to be for me. <laughs> um, that wasn't my bag. Uh, but my granddad owns the funeral home. My uncles like work there. Um, but my dad was like probably one of the first to not work for the business. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, cause my dad's like, you know, in music and stuff. So, and then I'm in comedy. So we're the artists. Like we, we don't, we're trying to give people life. We're not trying to <laughs> put them down. Um, so yeah. So basically like, yeah, I just, I just never had like a full interest in it when I was like, you know, looking for my first job. Sure. I was like, Oh, like, let me try to work for the business and like, maybe, I don't know, stack chairs or something or, you know, hand out flyers, but I wasn't trying to be, you know, in the embalming room or anything like that. But yeah, I bought a suit from JCPenney, but that, that shit never got put to use. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I actually did it when I was uh, in college. My grandfather was like a well-known in the community because he was a superintendent. Yeah. He worked at the funeral home, got me a gig. Mm -hmm. I started, you know, shuffling flowers everywhere. And before you knew it, this is like, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. They handed me a pager and they're like, hey, that rings. Come oh yeah, go get it. Put on that suit. You got to go pick up a dead person. Yeah, yeah. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, that's real. That's real. My stepdad worked for a different funeral home uh, for a while, and he same thing. Be three o'clock in the morning. Be like, oh, I gotta go pick up somebody. I went on one of those removals once. Uh, I, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> once yeah. was enough. It's a it's a trip, man. What an experience. I, yeah. I haven't any jokes about that, but I think maybe I should. Have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So what? <laughs> Talk about your your big breaks in comedy. Where when did you how did you get into stuff after you started at seventeen? Yeah, did you even get um, to a bar to do open mics. Where were you, where were you performing? I was performing at the uh, Greensboro Comedy Zone. They uh, they had two open mics basically. It was it was just you know the first two Thursdays of every month, um, and that's all I really knew at that age. You know, you're seventeen. I got homework to do. I, I mean, my mom was super protective, so I didn't even have no driver's license. I had to have her <laughs> driving me to to the comedy club um so you know and i i did it um one because i wanted to my friends told me i was funny and i should try it so i did that but also that was my rising senior year and we had to do a senior project and um the project had to be like something career-based and you had to create like a product with it and everything so i was like all right well this will at least like give me a reason like to say I need to go to the comedy club, you know, like aside from me wanting to do it is like, oh, like, no, I have to go, mom, because like this is like my schoolwork, you know, um, and I made like a, my first like DVD reel, you know, like a five minute DVD off of it and everything got like an award for the project. But yeah, I mean, like there wasn't much like it wasn't like New York where, you know, you could get up every night, multiple times a night, you know, I was in Greensboro, North Carolina. There was only a, a small handful of mics and we had to create the scene. Like I was kind of at the like beginning of the, the scene get, getting created in, um, in the triad area of North Carolina, you know, like we, we started, you know, doing shows at coffee shops and we would have to drive elsewhere, you know, an hour and a half away to go do a mic if we wanted to. And, you know, I was in school and college. So it's a lot of times I'd be like, I don't know, like, can I go like, you know, I, I don't know if I can go drive to South Carolina on a Wednesday night and come back, you know? Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I just did that, stuck it out, started hosting there, then became the house MC at that club eventually. Um, and was getting like a bunch of stage time, not realizing it, um, at that time. Cause you know, road comics would come in and be like, Oh man, like you're funny. Like you're good. You're getting like good stage time. And you know, as an up and coming comic, you're, you want to do feature work and headlining work in your host. And you're like, sure, I guess. <laughs> but once I moved to New York, I realized like how valuable that stage time I was getting every weekend as a host, like doing four shows a weekend, like learning how to work a crowd, 
along with working your material. Like, because there's plenty of comics coming up that, you know, you perform in front of comics and then you get in front of a real crowd. They don't know how to work a crowd, but diving head in and, and that being like your learning uh, grounds, it's invaluable. So, you know, once I got to New York, it was like, oh, like, oh, I, I realized like, yeah, I was getting stage time because it's, it's hard to get more than three minutes in the city, you know? Absolutely. So, that was yeah. that. so you moved to New York after college or give us a time frame? After college. So I started, I started when I was 17 and then I moved to New York um, when I was 25. Um, made the leap and I was like, you know, because I, I knew like there was a cap uh, in North Carolina. You know, I was hosting the, the room. That was great. I went, I was doing some road work here and there. I had won some, you know, local competitions and stuff like that. And it was like, all right, like, you know, like I get it. Like I can, I can do this. And it was a decision, you know, all right, it's either going to be LA or New York. I ended up going to New York because uh, <laughs> Dave Chappelle came to, to town and did a show. This was like back when like seeing Dave Chappelle was like Bigfoot, where it's like, holy shit, like he's doing stand up again. Um, and I asked him like, you know, I wasn't on the show or anything. He was just gracious enough to like hang out around us afterwards. But I was like, yo, I'm trying to decide between New York and LA. And he was like, I would go to New York. That's where I started. And that's where I got good. And that's like my idol. So I was like, bet. <laughs> so went to New York and then it's like starting over. Uh, because nobody cares what you did. Nobody cares about some competition you won in North Carolina. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, those people don't even know comedy down there. So what, what would you, <laughs> that's how they feel. You know, but um, no one was like, hey, you're from Greensboro. Greensboro. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this dude, you know, the North Carolina scene. <laughs> you know, that, but admittedly, the scene's grown a lot since I started. But like, you know, going to New York, it's like you really got to prove yourself because it's the, the top of the top. And, you know, they, they don't care what you've done um, outside of, you know, that city. And it uh, it humbles you and it makes you realize what material of yours is uh worth keeping which is like really good to know if you actually care about being a better comedian um so yeah once i got there it was like all right starting over back to doing mics which i was doing mics in front of comics which really wasn't what i grew up doing yeah so that was kind of new for me um and then eventually like was they in the, you know, just started like hanging around the bar shows and stuff. That was one thing like I had to learn is that like, you know, you get to a city and they're like, Oh yeah. Just like hang out at the shows. I'm like, I, I don't. Okay. What does that mean? And then I would go to a show and I see a comic and be like, Oh, you going on tonight? And they're like, no, I'm just hanging out. I'm like, Oh, y'all really mean just be here. Like just hang out, <laughs> like just be around. Um, so, you know, I was doing that, started getting on the local shows, then worked my way into a club. You know, I got a manager and everything and started working the stand um, comedy club there. And then that kind of helped, you know, start getting the the ball rolling on like breaking my way into rooms there. Because if you if you have like the credit to be like, oh, I work this good room, you know, then it, it helps you kind of feed into the other places. Yeah. One thing about New York, I guess that we've been hearing a lot. And as we are both based, based in Houston and the scene in Houston, obviously very different than New York. Uh, we do have the benefit, you know, like, like you said in, uh, in North Carolina to have people like regular yeah. audience members at our open mics. There's a fair amount of them. You can do maybe one or two a night, you mm -hmm. know, as things go on and all these comics say in New York, you know, you're doing the headliners do 15 top. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, you don't get a ton of stage time. You're doing all your mics in front of comics. Mm -hmm. It almost making me think like, I'm really, I guess I'm feeling very fortunate to have as much stage stage time in front of real audiences. Cause you know, the, the thought is sometimes oh, I just gotta, I gotta get to this. I gotta get yeah. to the city. I gotta get to New York. But then you're like, wait, when you get to New York, it's just a different struggle. It really is like take advantage. Like I'd say any comic that's starting off in a, in a scene that's like not New York or LA or whatever, like take advantage of the fact that you have a real audience to, to play with and don't take it. Don't take that for granted. Um, treat even the mics, like treat it, treat it like a show, like treat it like, like you're really going up there to, to knock it out of the park. Um, 
because you're going to build good habits that way. Yeah. Like having that confidence in front of an audience is half the battle. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah, like it, it's just so much because I've seen it time and time again. I, I honestly don't know how people that start in New York City like get to the progress through the levels. Like it's just like I, I see like the mics and stuff. I'm like, how the hell do you get out of this? Because <laughs> this is crazy. Like y'all are doing two minutes, two minutes. There's like 40 comics like in the lineup, like in the bucket that they're picking names out of. You're going up there to do your two minutes in front of people that think they're funnier than you, that want to just get on, that want to get on and go to their next mic and have no interest in what you have to say and only going to laugh at you if they like you and know you. So, I mean, it'll build a tough skin. Sure. But you also have to realize like, all right, I can't just write jokes that are going to make comedians laugh. Comedians, you know, we're all twisted up in the head and like, you know, there's a certain like checklist you have to say to us to make us laugh. But audiences aren't that, you know, there's, there's a, there's an art to being like, you know, a comics comic and all that and being able to make comedians laugh and not just say hacky material that every audience member is going to like, sure. But you got to know how to make an audience laugh and not just comics laugh. Cause you, I've seen people go up there and say things that's like, all right, yeah, sure. That make comics laugh, but community, but audiences are like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, this is <laughs> like, we have no frame of reference for what you mean right now. So that's, that's like a, that's like a navigation that you have to really like hone in on. Yeah, that just seems tough. That seems so tough just to do mics in front of comics and that's it. And short sets and how do you grow? I don't know. That's wild. Yeah, you kind of have to be able to like take risks. Like that's like just as far as like, you know, talking about those, you know, breaks through the career and being in New York. You have to be willing to um, put your ego aside sometimes, you think, you know, because um you know, comedians, we're, we're very like, we, we're prideful and it's like, I'm funny. People should know I'm funny. Like I deserve like this, that, and the third. And like, you, you, you guys should see it. Like, how do you not see it? But you gotta be willing to take risk for yourself too. And it's like, oh, this club, their process is late night and I have to go hang out late as hell and try to get my name on that list or they they might need an audition process where i bring a couple people and you know i know bringers are you know it's like you know we know how we feel about that as comics like with bringers but i will say sometimes it's like if you want something bad enough and it's like all right they you want you get like an audition where it's like bring three to five people it's like dude it's five minutes out of your life if you care about this like you can invest the five minutes out of your life to to help you advance your career down the line. If if you want to get in that club or something like, uh, you know, it may not be for everybody, but I've I've had friends like, you know, ask if they should do it. And I'm like, eh, like, if you really want to do it, you know, like I've slept out on the sidewalk for for opportunities. So, you know. Yeah, like you, you know, reading off my bio at the beginning there with the stand-up NBC thing. This was one of my breaks. Um, I I did the Asheville uh, Comedy Festival here in North Carolina. Left early, took a train back to New York, got off the train, and had my bags and went straight to Gotham Comedy Club, and just to see what the line would be like for these auditions uh, for stand-up NBC, and people were already starting to line up. So I was like, well, shit, I can't go home. Like, because if I go home and come back, it's already going to be longer. So I was like, all right, I'm planting down here. Like I just got off like a 12 hour train ride. So I was like, screw it. I'm gonna just sleep on this sidewalk and, you know, talk to these comics or whatever that audition the next morning, one minute, (laughs) you got one minute to make uh, the people, from NBC laugh, uh, which one of them, one of the, the people is, uh, the tonight show booker. Mm. And I did that, got the call back, call back two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so now 
you do the two minutes. And when you do the callback, you think it's just going to be the people that you saw in line. No, there's other like people, other comics that show up that have like management and stuff. So they have appointments. They didn't have to sleep on the street. So then you're like, where the hell did all these people come from? I'm new to the city. I'm performing in front of comics that have no idea who I am. So it's the same kind of like open mic energy where they're like, all right, whoever this is. Yeah. Did the, did the call back for two minutes. It went well. And then went to the, uh, the regional showcase and had a great regional showcase, smashed it and got a manager out of it. Um, but I didn't go to the the finals. That was 2000, what, 15 or something like that. And I had to do that two more times. I went the next year and luckily was able to do just the two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't make it past that round. And then the third year, I finally made it to the finals in L.A. But it's it's persistent. Like you have to keep showing up to stuff. You have to put your ego aside and be like, all right. I know I've done this before, but I've learned from it too. And you're only going to be a better comic every year. Like that's three years of me growing as a comic yeah, and learning what it takes. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I, that I, I heard out of that story is persistence. And we, we, we sit there in those rooms and we wait for our spot in the mic and you get bumped, especially early on, you get bumped and you get bumped and you bump. That's just seasoning us for, for, for what you just shared. And by yeah. the way, once you get in that line and you get there, you go on to the next one. Guess what? You don't you don't make it. Now you go back next year, and so that that kind of gives you that grit that you need uh, in in some sick way, uh, waiting waiting at those open mics for those types of things, waiting for your shot. It, it really does, and like you know, just like kind of listening to um, stories in the entertainment industry from like from people that like you know and that make it or whatever. You need those those things to happen to you. You need to get knocked down a little bit. And then by the time you come back the third time, it's not weighing on you so much. Like this is my only shot at this and this is all I have because hopefully some other things have popped up for you along the way. And, um, you know, you, you, and you've been there before. So it's like, all right, I know what to expect. You're not as nervous. You can be in your body and focus on your material. It's like, boom, all right, let's do this, whatever. And you just have that confidence on stage where they say like, Oh, this guy actually knows what he's doing. Okay. Yeah, can we talk for a second about when you only have one minute or two minutes to perform? Mm-hmm. What jokes are you picking? Are you just are you picking your best jokes, your fast jokes? What's going through your head when you're choosing your material for those short auditions? This is very important. That's a great question. Pick stuff. I pick stuff that is personal to me. Okay. I think a lot of comics in those situations will um, pick jokes that they think is just the the flat out funny joke mm-hmm. you can say a funny joke ever like any good comedian can say a funny joke but what do i know about you at the end of you know that time you've been on stage and that's what they're looking for in those situations you look at nbc or jfl and all that kind of stuff they want to know who you are mm. like that's really the takeaway is like go up there and be funny but also like make sure we get an idea of like who you are like your background and stuff like that. Like I've told, uh, you know, jokes about my family's funeral home. I have like, you know, just a quick, like opening family funeral home joke, countless times, <laughs> countless times. But it's, it's because I know one, it works and it's funny, but two, because it's like, all right, that's a hook. Like there's, there's a, there's a science to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Aside from just like going up there and trying to like, you know, kill, when it comes to industry stuff, there's a science to like choosing the material and making people realize like, okay, there's something here that we can cultivate into, you know, whether it's a TV show or, you know, just something, something that makes people realize like, oh, this, this person has an interesting background and, uh, you know, a point of view. Yeah. One written joke. I mean, anybody can write a good joke, right? I, I write every day and sometimes I dream, I even come up with some good stuff, but uh, but to have like a foundation of a personality that that can go forward into comedy is, is what they're looking for. And that's what you can deliver yeah. on by, by choosing those jokes that way. It's really, really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, every comedian that, you know, you like and see on, you know, Netflix and whatever, it's like you have a good idea of who they are. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you know about Sebastian Maniscalco's dad. 
you know, about Kevin Hart's kids, you know, about Bill Burr's temper issues and how he feels about that kind of stuff. You, you know, you know, Nate Bargatze feels like he's stupid. <laughs> so it's like you they all have their like mold that they've that they've created for themselves. Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, I I love writing. I try most of the stuff I write is pretty personal and biographical. Uh, that's stuff I like writing the most. And yeah. I hope I really hope that. Yeah, that's the goal. I think if you get off stage, especially doing a short set at a club or something and the audience goes, OK, I kind of know two or three things about the personality of this guy. Right. I think it's kind of a win. And it's just to me, it's so interesting to get to know someone through their comedy. And and you're right. All the all your favorite comics, you feel like, you know, their personality it's because that's injected in every joke. Yeah, exactly. That's something I'm trying to get better at, too, is like just writing stuff about like my actual personal life, like when it comes to like family and things like that, because like a lot of material like I have, I touch on those things, but a lot of material that I have is more like, you know, uh, cultural commentary and stuff like that. Um, And I love writing that stuff because it's like the world's always going to turn and there's always going to be something happens and there's always going to be a trending topic on Twitter or whatever. and but like beyond that like digging into how you feel about your relationship or your family or like you know your your shortcomings like that's tough that's like you know but that's the stuff people can relate to because they have it your your funeral home joke i think you're referring to at least on your album the one where uh where you hear the gunshots yeah gunshots is positive for your family because that means it's going to be more death yeah so what that kind of does is it it quickly get because it's up top right and Mm -hmm. something you do up top quite a bit that gets to know that you're from there you you know a little bit of your your beginnings but then also gets a taste of your sensibility like you know you you can joke about things like murder because you know because of this and then that that opens the door for you to get into some of the social commentary that you do later in the album hitting on race transgender those types Mm -hmm. of things you open the door for that but if you don't do that in order and they don't get to know you you don't get permission to to get into some of those things exactly yeah you got to kind of set the tone i can't i can't just come up uh straight up top and be like so this transgender joke right (laughs) people are like whoa (laughs) like warm us up first buddy (laughs) let us know we like you (laughs) yeah well, maybe this is a good time to hop in to um, a little bit about your writing process. We we like to always just ask it very open-ended, take it where you want. How does Jordan Fisher write comedy? Uh, that's funny. You know what's funny is like I've gotten writing jobs and stuff, and I am not one of those people that enjoys like writing all the time. <laughs> like I'm not one of those. Com- I wish I wish I could say I'm one of those comics that I wake up every day. I have breakfast then I sit down and I just start writing. I read the newspaper or whatever. And I just like start writing. The- that is not me. Like my stuff like comes in waves or like I'll say something funny and I'll joke around. And then it's like, all right, like jot that down. I kind of like will bullet point stuff out or like have like a nugget of idea and I'll write it down in my phone and I'll kind of like just mull it over. It's just like kind of swimming in my mind, like over the next like week or whatever. Um, And then I'll go on stage and like, you know, speak it out for me. Like, honestly, like writing, I'll write something down. I'll go say it on stage and I have to just hear it. I just have to hear myself say it. And I don't care if it works. I don't care if it bombs. Like a lot of times it might just be like, it might fall flat, but one person might like see where I'm going with it. And I'm like, okay, all right, now I know what to do. Once I hear it and if I hear it fall flat, my brain's like, oh, we know what we want to do with it now. And then like, I'll like come off stage and then like the ideas like start coming. That's kind of how it works for me. Or like I'll you know, I'll say it a couple times and then like the tags start coming, you know, uh, through and like, I mean, over the pandemic and stuff, I, I've, I've gathered new material and I don't know how, like it just kind of, it just kind of, it just kind of manifested itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just jot down ideas here and there. And then, you know, next thing you know, like I got booked to headline for a weekend and it's like, I just had all these like ideas and, you know, just went and did the hour and it was like, 
all right, this, this stuff works, you know, like, and a lot of times, like if I have that adrenaline of those new ideas before I go on stage, like as the feature is on and I'm going like through like the, the checklist, the jokes start coming. I'm just like, Oh, say this, put this here, put this here. It's, it's very like, uh, jokes are very much like a puzzle for me. I like, I'm like big on like segues. So I like to have my material flow from one thing to a next, because when I first started watching stand up, I was nine years old watching Richard Pryor live in concert. What blew me away was the fact that rich came out talking about police, uh, killing people. And then the end of the set was a sex joke and you didn't know how it got from that over the hour. You never felt like jarred by the fact that the subjects changed. Yeah. And it's like, you just go with it. It's just a flow. So I, you know, I kind of like that in comedy where it's just like, Oh, we can just, I'm going to take you on this ride and you're not even going to realize we just made a left turn. Yeah. And I, I noticed, I'm glad you called that out. I noticed that with your album, that your segues were strong uh, and, and with the material that we're watching today. Nice. And, uh, and so I went into it. I don't remember what I, I, was, I must've been sitting outside back wherever I was. And I was like, Oh, I'm probably only like five, five, 10 minutes in. I was like 28 minutes in. <laughs> and, and so that's what happens. If you, if you focus on segues, it does, it just feels like it's one and it's very conversational. So yeah. time goes by quickly. And that's, that's a great thing for, for a headliner. You hate it when you're looking at it and the comic's been up for, you know, five minutes and you keep looking at the clock and you're like, right. so yeah. not the case with your material because the segues Thanks. are strong. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. That's, that's a big compliment. That's kind of like, what I pride myself on. I like everything to feel like conversational and that's just like, Hey man, like these are the jokes this is what we talking about. And like, you don't even realize like a joke's about to come, you know, I'm just talking to you. And then uh, it's like, it's like little, little jabs in there. That's yeah. the best. Another thing we like to get into is let's say you have a big, you have a big show coming up. How do you prepare for like, you know, the days before a show and also what do you do uh, those last moments before you step on stage. Okay. So if it's a big, big one, say like, I'm, say you're running like a TV set or something like that. I'm running that set over and over and over again and making sure like the jokes are in the order that I want them to. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, t- I'm just saying it till I'm blue in the face. That's, that's basically how it is like the days leading up to it. Yeah. The moments before, um, I go on some pacing <laughs> around. I get very, um, my energy like drains before like a big show. And I get very, this, this used to happen to me like when I first started performing too. And now it only happens like for very big moments, but like it, I basically turn into a zombie. Like I'm, there's, there's no life. I'm very low energy. I get very tired. Um, and then when it's time for me to go on all that energy that's reserved comes out. Um, so that's, that's how it is. Like, I mean, before the, when I did the tonight show, like the days leading up to that, I was, I would wake up sweaty every, every night. Like I was just so nervous. And then the day of, I was just clammy all day. I was just like, I fell asleep in the car ride over to the, to 30 rock. Like, like I, I just, it's just I just get so nervous, and then like you know I was pacing the hallways and stuff. I, you know, it's just a matter of um, getting the first joke out. Once the first joke is out, it's like, oh, okay, well, we got that out, heard the laugh, and then I can just flow into the rest. Yeah, that's got to be so just great. Like I think my if I ever got booked for the Tonight Show, my first joke would be me vomiting. (laughs) 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 Yeah, dude, that was that was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my life. Gotta be, gotta Uh, be. Yeah, it's it's taped, it's televised, it's national. It's a big stair step for a career. Like that's that's the most pressure I can imagine. Yeah, and it's like you know that was like my one of my big break moments and. You know, you got Jimmy sitting there. The roots are right there. And, you know, it's like, all right, this is going to be on TV. 
I can't slip up and say the F word or nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, just get these jokes out. Hopefully the audience is like, you know, fun and they're in the mindset, you know, to, to hear jokes and that they don't clam up on something. Luckily everything hit <laughs> like really well. Um, but yeah, man, it's like, you know, and, and with that set in particular, there were some jokes in there where it's like, I hadn't told, you know, one or two of those jokes in like years and they weren't even jokes that I felt like were like, um, my staple jokes or anything. They were just like, they were jokes that I was like, Oh, that's, that's funny. And I did them. And it's like, some you ever have a joke where you say it and you're like, that's funny. And it works really well. But then for whatever reason, you just like, it just doesn't stick with you. You're like that worked. And then you just move on. Like did, did the bookers or the, the team at the show kind of edit or arrange your material or encourage you to do some material that you weren't <laughs> going to do or how did that come about? Well, the joke I open up with is about, um, is I'm pretty sure about going to the trampoline park and breaking my leg. <laughs> I broke my leg when I was 24. So I was telling that joke like around that time, but when I did this night show, that was four or five years later. Yeah. Um, and I was not telling that joke anymore. I wanted to open with the funeral home stuff, but standards and practices were like, no, because <laughs> it's the tonight show. And Jimmy's very, you know, wholesome and everything. And I think he had like some kind of partnership with like, you know, like, you know, it's like, Hey, we against gun violence, that kind of thing. Uh -huh. um, so, like that joke they were like even the the booker was like i fought tooth and nail for you for that joke because i love that joke and it you know it's of course like sets you up for whatever and, and they were like yeah we're not budging on that like you can't tell it so i had to like positive spin on gun violence. yeah yeah so i had to like go through like the back catalog and like be like all right what other jokes could i open with possibly yeah. and um you know just landed on that one and and i was like all right sure okay that works nice yeah the, the clip we're going to watch today uh it's comedy central presents uh, uh do you remember filming that set do you know yeah. what i'm talking about okay cool yeah. tell us about that tell us about that day or anything interesting about that that set oh man that um geez okay so that was filmed in brooklyn um that i can't remember the the full day i feel like it was like pretty I was like, all right, like this is going to be cool. Like, cause you know, I feel like I already got the the high pressure set out of the way, like doing the tonight show and everything. Yeah. And you know, the comedy central set, it's like, okay, this is going to live online and it's going to, you know, whatever comes of it comes of it. Um, uh, but yeah, that one, they're like, just tell your jokes. Like they don't give a shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they yes. do not care. Dude. And practices. Yeah. <laughs> none of that. None of that. They were like, uh, they were like, just do, they like, just stick your time. I'm like, how much time are we supposed to do? They're like seven, eight minutes. I'm like, I think I plan on doing like 10 to 12. They're like, all right, well, yeah, that's fine too. We're a tight ship over there. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that one was, uh, you know, pretty, it, it's funny performing in, in Brooklyn though, man. Cause like, you know, I enjoy those jokes. I enjoy, but I feel like Brooklyn doesn't react the same way as like, you know, a comedy seller or any other comedy club would react. Cause they, they get pretty sensitive. About stuff. <laughs> yeah, so there, There's other comics, uh, and I'm not giving away anything, but like I, there was one comic and his set is online where he just straight up calls him out. Like he does a joke uh, that is like works and like is good. And uh, they like, you know, didn't give the reaction that should be for the joke. And then he called him out on it and they started laughing about it. He's like, no, 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 no. You had your chance. <laughs> Don't start laughing now. I held a mirror up to you and you realize <laughs> that you're full of shit. <laughs> so. I hear that a lot about the Brooklyn crowds that they're a little tight. They're a little, um, they're also comedy savvy. So it's yeah, it's like they're savvy, but they're like nerdy. It's like, it's like very, <laughs> you know, it's the, not, not to like um, dunk on alt comedy or anything like that, but I think they've gotten like trained into the alt stuff where it's like very, you know, it's weird and it's like whimsical and like, you know, it doesn't touch on certain things. And then if you say like some like, you know, 
some pointed stuff, they could be like, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's our opinion. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if it's our opinion. <laughs> yeah. I'm check but, my uh, Facebook group to see if I agree with that or not. You know, it's funny. I found some like meta material in those types of rooms. So it's like, you know, somebody came up, you know, a lot of people do. Somebody came up to me after the show that was offensive. And you know, it's not, it's just a joke. Yeah. And so that becomes another minute you can tack onto your set just talking yeah. about that interaction. Yeah. It's like, did y'all come here to like laugh or you come here to, just do the good personality checklist like so, social justice war yeah. yeah yeah so but it, it you know it, it went well enough it, it was it was cool um i still had a good time and that's the thing too like uh when you're taping a, a set like that or anything if you know because you know you know how uh you know the reaction of jokes when you tell them like for your for your jokes that you've cultivated it's like you know what standard reaction it usually gets if you're in a TV set and you're doing those jokes and they're not up to par of what you're usually getting, pretend like it is like just on your face. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like keep going. Like it's like nothing's at like you're killing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fake, fake it hard. Yeah. I'm going to play the clip. It's the back, probably about back four minutes of the, of the clip. Okay. Yeah. I just don't need another addiction. I don't need to do no drugs, man. I already got my cell phone. I'm addicted to that shit enough. You know, I already have all the social media and stuff. My dad recently got an iPhone and uh, he just signed up for Instagram. I'm the only person he follows. <laughs> yeah, it's just me and him. Sometimes he hit me up. He's like, did you see on Instagram the other day? I'm like, yeah, it was me. Like whatever you saw, I made you see that shit. He doesn't know how to work the app at all. Like the other day, I posted a photo on Instagram. He screenshotted it, texted it to me, and said, I like this, nigga. <laughs> That's not how this works, bro. <laughs> I wrote him an email, printed it out, mailed it to him, fire emojis. <laughs> I, just, I just can't do the social media too much, man. I just get addicted to it. Like I'll have to like delete my apps every now and again, like, but not in a self-righteous way. You ever have somebody take the time to make an announcement that they're deleting Facebook? Like you give a shit? Like they write out a whole post like a Civil War veteran, just, my dearest Facebookers, just writing you to let you know I'm deactivating my account for a while. It's been a cold winter and we've unfriended a lot of good people. If you'd like to reach me, you can send text message or carrier pigeon, or you could just leave, Brian. Like nobody knew you were here. We all thought you died in a gluten accident like four months ago. I never wish you a happy birthday. Every year I see your name in the top right hand corner. I say, nope. Is too much, man. Like, cause I'm at the age too where all my uh, social media is changing because all my friends are having kids, you know. So my Instagram has just become this endless scroll of a father's wallet, you know, just people all the time. Look at my baby. Look at her. He's a cute, he's a cute baby trying to walk. He can't walk. He got little ass legs, big ass head. What do you think he do? <laughs> people post so many pictures of their children. I don't even know how we have Amber alerts anymore. I'm serious. You get these alerts on your phone. Have you seen this child? Have I fucking seen it every day? I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> now I can get back to pictures of booties and memes the way the good Lord intended. That's what the fuck I signed up for. I want to see your ugly ass baby. <laughs> it's just too much. Social media is just too much. Like, I, I just don't want my dad to get addicted to this shit. I, I can't take it because Instagram, we're all liars on there. That's the problem. Everybody's lying on there. They're living a fake life. People post pictures all the time. Just like, I'm always on vacation. All the food I eat is delicious. And I take smooth shits. <laughs> The thing that people lie about the most on there is their occupation. I see it all the time. People listen on their occupation. Public figure. What? I'm a public figure. What do you do? You know, I be in the public. Figuring. <laughs> we don't have real public figures anymore. Like Gandhi, that was a public figure. Martin Luther King, public figure. Mother Teresa, public figure. Millennials, we're so caught up in followers, I don't even think we'd be impressed if Jesus came back. When old people be losing their mind, they'd be like, oh my God, that's Jesus Christ right there. That's the man himself, JC Jesus Christ and his 12 followers. We'd be like, ugh, 12 followers. God damn, Jesus, what you, she got an Android motherfucker? I thought you was God's son. It's like, ugh, keep your bread. I don't want your bread. I'll get my blessings elsewhere. 
Jesus would come back, he'd feel that pressure, man. He'd have to get his numbers up. You know, he'd be out here on Instagram posting thirst traps with his abs out. <laughs> a throwback Thursday. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> he'd feel that pressure, man. He'd have to do something irrational. Jesus would have to join the Kardashians. <laughs> he would. You know they try to fuck him since he's black. And, uh... <laughs> I'll let y'all catch up on that. <laughs> but they're the Kardashians. They're a brand. They can't just let any old scrub into their clan. They quiz Jesus. They'd be like, what do you bring to the table, Jesus? What do you bring to the Kardashian brand, Jesus? It's like, what do I bring to the table? It's like, I'm a best-selling author. It's like, I turn water into wine. They'd be like, water into wine? Bitch, we turn Bruce into Caitlyn. Step your game up, boo-boo. <laughs> Very good. Man, the, so it was like four minutes, Trinane, and there was, I think I counted six different voice act or, you know, voice yeah. changes. That, that's powerful. And then you would switch to the angry Jordan and you'd hit, you'd hit like these hard consonants and it would punch and hit. And I, I, I do some of the similar stuff too with, with my act outs. I do my wife and stuff, but it makes me, you inspire me to do more of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, um, it's funny. Like my mom, always told me when she would see me like at the open mic she's like yeah keep doing those voices like she's like you're really good people pop for your voices and stuff i don't realize i'm doing them half the time because i'm just like embodying whatever but uh yeah it, it is kind of like a staple element of of what i do even if it's not like a full-on impression like just to put people's minds in like oh this is a different person saying this like the just the character switch up you know yeah, i love that judy carter would be proud <laughs> um, and no, it's a great thing. Cause I think a lot of comics, especially when you're, when you're newer, you, you may say to yourself, I can't do impressions. I can't, yeah. I'm, I can't do impressions, but what you can do is a voice. It doesn't, yeah. who cares if that doesn't really sound like your mom, right? Sound like that person. I think that and it's, it truly is as Judy Carter talks about, she doesn't even call it punchlines in the, in the, in the comedy Bible. No, she calls it act outs. Right. Yeah. She's truly living out that punchline. And that hits so much harder than just narrating. Yeah. And Dude, punch. I love an act out. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like it's funny. Cause New York is, there's two different camps. Like <laughs> <laughs> in New York, I've noticed like it's, it's, you know, the writing is, is King. And, you know, of course that's like, what you need to be able to do in comedy but it's almost like you know the act out is like how, how dare you <laughs> perform on stage like how dare you try to make these people laugh with your body and like changing up your physical la is like you know <laughs> yeah like they'll do a cartwheel on stage they don't give a shit but <laughs> but yeah like being in new york it's like sometimes you know people do act and they're like oh they're all act outs and it's I understand like there is sure there is a limit where people are just like, you know, you get into like uh 2007 Dan Cook mode where you're just like in the wall. <laughs> you know, there's like there's that. But, you know, to help push a joke over the edge, audiences laugh at that shit. It works like it obviously works like physical physical comedy is obviously a thing like I mean, even <laughs> I even. Seinfeld has said that he's like he's like he could say like oh this this fat guy and then people will laugh but if he goes and this fat guy like even just the uh, you know the little bit of body change yeah yeah I think I, th I think that's stuff that we leave out as writers sometimes the little it's always that you know you notice as you're as you just get more stage time sometimes something that you didn't expect to get a laugh gets a laugh and it might just be because of your inflection or or a a hand gesture or something like that. And then you go, Oh, and you start, and that becomes a better punch than the punch that you wrote. Sometimes, yeah. you know, I went back and watched, I was watching a lot of old stuff the other day, Bill Hicks. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked at how much sound effects into the microphone this guy was doing. I was like, yeah. half his act is like noises. into yeah, the microphone, yeah. But the crowd yeah. loved it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's like, I mean, even, even Louis CK, you know, Louis C.K. He, uh, <laughs> he even he even uh, says that it's like it's like at the end of the day, humans just you know noises and and faces like yeah. that's that's what they laugh at. I mean, it's it's just written into our DNA. I mean, you can make a baby laugh by literally just 
doing crazy faces and noises that doesn't necessarily fully leave you in adulthood. <laughs> like there's wow. still an element of that there. So beyond like just the intellectual and, you know, the twists and turns of a good joke, you know, you, you, you got to sell it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. You got to sell it a little bit. People still laugh at farts. You know? <laughs> like, I, I think you have both. You're, you're able to do the, the voice and act out vocal act outs. And then you also uh, you're hitting on sort of social commentary stuff, right? You know, it's all layered and and stuff that annoys you about social media, and uh, and and then of course uh, you even hit on re- religion in a in a unique way and brought it into into present time with social commentary. And so I, I think you are it's in the writing, it's in the I, these ideas, and then connecting it to sort of the current human experience, uh, all all put together really masterfully and uh, and and really well done. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I kind of, that's, that's just the way I see the world, I guess. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, how, how can I take, uh, two things and connect them together and, you know, just I make love, fun of it. <laughs> I really loved the, uh, the leaving Facebook with the old, like, you know, Dude. 1776 <laughs> dearest face. Yeah. Like I, that, le- that legit bothers me. Like it, it really <laughs> pisses me off when people tell me, or like post like, Hey, I'm going to be inactive or I'm deli- taking a social media break. And it's like, yeah. dude, just then do it for you. Like fucking leave. Like we don't need to know. Like, it's fine. Like I've seen, I've seen it recently. I saw somebody post that. And then like a week and a half later, they were like, Hey, I'm taking a break still. Just wanted to check in. And it's like, <laughs> you're not taking a break. Like we all check in every day. That's the point. Like that's, that's what this is. We're checking in on each other daily. So like you can either be here or not, like you're not allowed to make a post and be like, Hey, just taking a quick break from my break to make this post. And then I'm going to go away. It's like, well, then that's not it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that was, that's rooted in some real frustration. Dude, it's so like, it's so, like, as I, I legit am like a social media addict and it's like a problem. Cause I just sit there and look at pictures and it's like, I know I should be better about it. I have a stack of books over here. I should read, but like, <laughs> I still get annoyed at people that t- like I've left before without saying, I just deleted my Instagram, didn't say shit people. And when that happens, people find you, they reach out to you. They go to other things. They're like, what happened? What are you doing? I'm like, I just deleted this. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, who cares? I'm not dead. Like, also the part about, I love when you're talking about all the stuff people brag about and the, and the third mm-hmm. one was smooth shit. Smooth shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, a good turn. Yeah, a little roll of threes there. You know, I've got Crohn's disease. I've got Crohn's disease, so I feel that <laughs> deep in my soul. Yeah, yeah. Yo, my granddad had that, and oh my god, I've, I've watched a dog poop and got jealous before. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> That's funny. The dog's just looking at you in the face, like this is how it is, man. Man, this guy just didn't even wipe. Just <laughs> yeah. in like yeah. two minutes. Ah, just went and started playing again. <laughs> Back to. Uh, the the sort of the things that annoy you and bother you. So I think John Caparulo is probably one of the first ones that kind of turned us on. Like all of his stuff is written from that place, or maybe yeah. Bill Burr probably as well, right? He's an angry guy. You you seem to have a similar uh, source. Do you uh, in the moment when you're going through experiences or you're seeing things that annoy you, are you uh, thinking about comedy at that point? You just in the anger and then reflecting on it. Uh, that's a great. It seems to be your source of comedy. Um. It depends. I think like it it comes later when I realize like, oh, this thing bothers me a lot. I should say something about it because like sometimes it, I'm too blinded by the annoyance. <laughs> and then eventually I realize like there's a pattern or like I see it enough to where it's like I don't even realize I'm taking the point of view of like annoyance. It's just that I've seen it happen enough that naturally it comes out where it's like like this is a thing that we all do. That's bullshit. Like, you know, like, like, like I see you guys are pieces of shit <laughs> and just, like, I would call you out on it. Um, so yeah, like I, yeah. And there, it's funny because my personality is very like, even though like I have those uh, things that I'll project as like annoying on stage, <clears throat> I'm very like low energy laid back, like kind of person, like, I'm not quick to anger. Like I'm pretty patient with people and things like that. So sometimes it takes me clicking in to be like, Oh yeah, you're also a comedian, dude. Like, like this thing that just happened, 
like, even though you let it roll off your shoulders, like take note of it and maybe write something about it. Like, cause I've had plenty of things like where that'll happen to me. And I just, I just don't make a mental note of it. Cause I'm just like, well, that was weird. And like, and I just kind of like go on about my business. Cause I'm pretty like, I'm, I'm not aggressive in any way. Um, yeah. and then like after a few times I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's not normal. <laughs> I should, I should actually like write a joke and say something about it. Like it, it takes, it, sometimes it, it, it like takes a little tap on the glass for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't want to be your onstage persona off stage necessarily. No, 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 for sure. You shouldn't be. But like, I've had people like, even my girl will be like, like, you haven't said, you haven't written anything about that. And I'm like, no, I guess I, I guess I should say something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's what that's honest comedy. I think that's mm-hmm. and it's personal to you. I think that's so important. Uh, it, you can't just manufacture that stuff out of thin air. It really does have to. I think the best comedy comes from an honest place of I don't understand that. That's weird. I don't like that. Like that's, I, the, that's the home. The yeah, I fully agree, man. Because like that, that kind of like makes its way into my writing too. Because you know, we're talking about like our writing routines and everything. Like I said, I'm not somebody that just like sits down and like just writes out stuff. Like it's hard for me. Like growing up, I would watch comedians and I'd be like, all right, this is obviously made up. Like some comics, it was like so like the joke is so like obviously made up. Mm-hmm. And not that it's like an absurd joke. It's just like, I know you wrote this, like you created this that it's like, it takes me out of it, that it's like, it's not believable. So like, I'm not somebody that's just gonna like fabricate stuff writing. It has to be a little bit real for me. Mm-hmm. Like there has to be an element of just like, oh, this happened to me or like, or like see the experience or like have some kind of experience where it's like, all right, here we go. I can I can create something out of this. It takes a little more than just like, I'm just going to create this out of thin air because I mean, <clears throat> I know comics. I, I, I've known people that are like funny workhorses that like write and everything. I'm not bashing writing. Everybody should write every day, but like where it's like, but you're not living. Like you have to go live too. Like some people I've seen connected. So to their computer that they forget to like go out and experience some shit that makes it like relatable to the audience. So I agree. So I, I write every day, but I write for 10 minutes and that's just to get the joke mechanics and just practice that. those. Yeah. So then, so that way when, when things come up, I can get the jokes faster. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I've seen it where it's like people just like literally just like locked in and they never go outside. Not and that. like, like, I'm like, I'm like, how do you, what are you writing? Cause you ain't doing shit out here that would give you whatever experience you just said happened in the computer. Yeah. So I'm like, you have to, you have to do both. You have to have a nice balance, like go live life, have some stuff happen to you, like see the world, like be with people. Cause at the end of the day, you're talking about humanity. Like you have to be around humanity to, to write about it. Yeah, that's so true. Like if you, that's one, one of the things that was really tough about uh, quarantine and Corona stuff was that yeah. you didn't have experiences. So mm-hmm. you didn't have that. So, I mean, I sometimes I'm pretty introverted. And yeah. so sometimes I will say yes to stuff just for the sake of saying, you know what? It's going to give me an experience. Something's going to happen. I'll go on a date with someone. I'm like, I really shouldn't probably go on a date. Yeah. <laughs> it could create some comedy. Right. We're going to go check it out and, uh, and see what happens and live some life. because that That's is- a man that is sucked into the wormhole. Yeah. You are never not going to be a comedian. When you go on dates, you're like, I don't even. She got a, she got a buck tooth and a crooked eye, but we're going we gonna to see. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I actually put that in my Bumble profile. It says, like, hey, if the date goes poorly, you might be in one of my jokes. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Heads up. Heads up. <laughs> so so we, uh, we wrap with this thing, and it's a little weird. Hopefully, we prepped you for it. I missed the yeah. prep. But uh, it's called Last Laugh, okay? And it's basically uh, what is the, the joke that you want to be remembered by, joke on your tombstone. It could be yours. It could be Richard Pryor's. It could be anybody's. Uh, let me play the graphic. Let you think about it for seven seconds. It's so weird. Okay. <laughs> um, you rest know, in peace, it, DMX. Okay. Yeah, rest in peace, DMX, my dog. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't even think it would be one of my jokes. I think it would be uh, 
a joke from Delirious, Eddie Murphy's first yes. special. Um, and he tells a street joke in the in the special to one of the kids in the front row. And he goes, uh, a bear and a rabbit are taking a shit in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> and the bear looks over to the rabbit and says, excuse me, do you have a problem with shit sticking to your fur? And the rabbit says, no. Wiped the bear ass. wiped his ass with the rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> it's such like a simple little joke that I was like, that's funny. Hell yeah. And, and like, but when I watched Delirious, which is my, my very first special and yeah. some of my early inspiration, I was probably that kid's age. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite joke. Right. So, yeah. That's really good. That's uh, you could also say, dearest Facebook. I'm taking dearest a Facebook. I'm taking a break from life. <laughs> yeah. You can send prayer. <laughs> that's it. Uh, I'm going to call your album real quick because it's great. Uh, good for you, Jordane Fisher. Uh, I got it on iTunes, also on Spotify, a bunch of other places for streaming. And uh, make sure you do it. And where, where else do you want to call out for people can find you? Any dates, anything else you want to throw out there? Uh, yeah, just follow me on social media, man. Uh, Jay Fisher Comedy, that's my handle. That's where you can find all this stuff. I'm, all, you know, I'm posting jokes on there and, you know, any dates that I have come up on there too. So uh, that's on Instagram. TikTok. I'm not dancing on there. There's jokes too. So, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for spending the time today. Hope to see you in Houston at some point, roll through, yeah. uh, and hope you get back into New York uh, at some point when things are right. Thanks, man. You guys are fantastic. This was a lot of fun. You too. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.